The question is, is for the yield curve is, what expression do you put on to capture the reversal of that inversion into a steeper sloped environment? And, and that has the capacity to absorb significant dollars in the professional investment community. And the question is timing and, and how do you stay solvent during it while it waits, finally turn positive, but that's where we're at right now. You're listening to IBKR Podcasts. Find more conversations at ibkrpodcasts.com. Please remember any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures at the end of today's episode. Now, welcome to our show. Welcome, everybody, to another IBKR podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Wilkinson, and this week's guest is Rareview Capital's Chief Investment Officer, Neil Azuz. Welcome, Neil. Hey, Andrew. Thank you for having me again. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. So, Neil, I think we named our prior podcast with you in December, Stairway to a Bull Market. We always like to have you on the show whenever the FOMC meets, because we know you're a keen Fed watcher. So how do you see things heading into the February FOMC meeting? Or what is the market pricing in from your perspective? So I think, Andrew, this is our fourth podcast ahead of a Federal Reserve meeting. Uh, we conducted one of these, I think, in June, September and December. And now here we are heading into the February 1st meeting, and I think we've come full circle in this rate hiking cycle. The bottom line up front, Andrew, is it is no longer about how many more hikes, but when is the first interest rate cut and how many cuts will there be? Secondly, what is priced going into this meeting? So the modal outcome for 2023 now is 50 basis points of interest rate hikes over the next two Federal Reserve meetings. So 25 basis point hike in, on February 1st, and then another 25 in March. And then we have 50 basis points of interest rate cuts beginning in the fall. And interest rate cuts will accelerate to 50 basis points at each meeting starting in 2024. That's what's priced into the market at the moment. Regarding the theme of higher for longer, the most strongly held view by the Fed and the market is that they're gonna keep interest rates high for an extended period. In this case, call it six months. So the market pricing reflects that view. And then finally, we always ask ourselves as we go into these meetings, where is the asymmetry? Meaning, where's the convexity? Where can something surprise you? The first one is if the Fed raised by more than 25 basis points or they didn't raise at all, those would be quote unquote asymmetrical surprises. And then also, if we find out additional information during the press conference after the statement is released, it could lead to more interest rate cuts priced at a faster rate or larger in magnitude. You know, for example, they did hike the interest rate three quarters of a percent four times in a row. So why wouldn't the Fed, why wouldn't the Fed cut more than 25 basis points at that first cut? That would be another sample of something that could get priced asymmetrically into the market. So, Neil, you, you calculate that the neutral rate for this cycle is 2.14%, and that, on average, it usually takes 4.2 months following the last interest rate hike for the Treasury yield curve, i.e. at all maturities, to revert to that neutral rate. Just to expand on what you're thinking there. Sure, Andrew. So, so here are the facts. On average, the Fed has cut an interest rate 6.5 months after the last interest rate hike. The shortest that they have ever done that is 1.4 months, and the longest is 14.7 months. And notably, as you said, the, the Fed cuts interest rates 2.4 times faster than they hike on average. 
So the Fed right now in the backdrop, the Fed's total hikes have been exceeded by more than two times the most ever. So on average, the market tends to start to price in a full return to the cycle's neutral rate in 4.2 months across all treasury maturities. So what we should see is that, you know, in layman's terms, if the Fed comes out and raises an interest rate in February, March, and says, this is the last time, and we put a piece of the puzzle together, we say, okay, they're going to cut an interest rate on average six and a half months. Well, the market pricing knows that. The first cut is priced, Andrew, uh, in September. So there's your six and a half months, roughly. And then between now and June, the market should extrapolate out uh, across all maturities where they belong in relevance in, or in relation to that neutral rate around 2.14%. And that tends to happen um, very quickly, as we said, 4.2 months across all maturities. So in this case, we would have to cut more than 250 basis points. The market would start to price those 250 basis points of cuts over the next four months between February and June of some sort. So it happens very fast. Uh, and if you miss that low hanging fruit, it's a lot of the total return in asset prices. Let me throw you a bit of a curveball here, Neil. It, it, it sure. seems to me that your base case is that the Fed has over tightened, or at least it will have over tightened following additional moves in February and March, right? And that then they will be forced to cut rates significantly to get back to that neutral level. However, the typical impetus for easing policy is some kind of a financial panic. Is it the case that you're maybe fitting the story to the historic data, especially since we're not really seeing tighter policy impacting the labor market at this stage? Uh, that's a fair and balanced question, Andrew. I appreciate that. Uh, I would just say, no, I, I'm not fitting the story to the historical precedents. You know, it, it's entirely possible a financial panic or a financial accident that you referenced already occurred and and the market is missing it let me give you an example of that so yes the stock market closed down in in the you know double digits in the teens last year but at one point it was down over 25% i think the nasdaq was down 35% for all intents and purposes that constitutes a financial panic or a financial accident but more importantly when you apply that same methodology to how much the bond market fell last year it, it it's it's extremely pronounced and let me make it easy for you. If the bond market had the same volatility as the S&P 500 and you volatility adjusted the degree of the drawdown in the aggregate bond index, so the, the, the benchmark that makes up the 40% of the 60-40 portfolio, the drawdown in the bond market in equivalence to what a stock market would do, it was down over 70% last year, more than the financial crisis back in 08 of what stocks fell. So by all measures, there was already a financial panic or an accident regarding that. Now, a couple other things to take into consideration, and I'm not making these calls, but these are things that people should be, or investors should be open-minded to about not having the ability to see the other side of the discussion. So maybe for the first time, Andrew, the stock market did bottom ahead of a recession or a weakening in labor, labor market. Maybe earnings growth is important, but it's not everything, meaning, Really, since like 1960, earnings have declined in, in 14 years or 14 calendar years. And in nine of those years, the S&P was still positive. Uh, and then, you know, one other thing to really take into consideration right now, while I know there's a lot of emphasis on recession probabilities or that another financial accident needs to happen, there has been 
a, a different factor driving the regime right now. And that regime is truly is disinflation. We had a very strong move up in inflation, and now we're having a very strong move down in inflation, so disinflation. And there, there are lots of examples of, I think there's 19 episodes over the last 100 years where inflation is falling in the same degree as it is now. And really only in one of those 19 instances did the S&P have a negative real return during that episode. Across all 19 of those episodes, I think the real annualized return was close to 14%. So there are examples where disinflation leads to no financial accident, where while is you know challenged, it doesn't necessarily need to meet a financial accident. And also it's entirely possible that the markets did bottom both stocks and bonds ahead of this recession because the market is so efficient in pricing in the, the speed at which the Fed raised interest rates. So the real question to me is not, are we backfitting something to a story? It's what if everybody's wrong and the recession already took place or the financial accident already took place and people aren't expecting something, are not looking in the right place. So, Neil, we always talk about the yield curve on, on these podcasts ahead of the Fed. Since we spoke in December, the yield curve became far more inverted, and it stayed that way. What's happening there? Okay, first a little context. If, if you have to get one thing right in fixed income in 2023, uh, we believe it's capturing the transition to a steeper from an inverted yield curve. And I'm going to reiterate that view today. The, the, as you said, the yield curve actually is is by far the most inverted it has ever been uh, since the Fed began targeting interest rates in 1982. There are lots of reasons for it, but the primary reason for it is, is that the Federal Reserve hiked the interest rate above the neutral rate beyond the extreme that it ever has done before. So keeping things real simple, if the Fed thought that the neutral rate was 2.5% and the most extreme prior to this cycle that they ever hiked above it was 172 basis points. So what is that? Four point sorry, 5.2%. We, we are now, I believe, 250 basis points over the neutral rate. So it shouldn't be a surprise that the, the inversion is this deep. The question is, is for the yield curve is, what expression do you put on to capture the reversal of that inversion into a steeper sloped environment? And, and that has the capacity to absorb significant dollars in the professional investment community. And the question is timing and, and how do you stay solvent during it while it waits, finally turn positive, but that's where we're at right now. Uh, and again, this should be no surprise given how much we overshot by the most in history above the new trade, the opposite should be true when it reverses. So now looking at your newsletter recently, Neil, you, you talked about, you, you observed the potential major turning point for equities in mid-January, I think. Do you, do you wanna talk about that a bit? Sure, of course. It's a very important feature alongside with the Federal Reserve, you know, turning to a cutting cycle from, from a hiking cycle. It goes hand in hand. But uh, before explaining what I mean by a major turning point, let, let me just provide some context about how we invest in equities, largely because everybody has a different discipline of, of how they go about things. And when they look at pricing, very large signals, they can have different interpretations. So I'm going to give it to you from our angle. So, so, Andrew, our approach to equity investing is both long and short. Our process is driven by quantitative models uh, and behavioral algorithms. And our models really seek to predict uh, turning points, and we construct algorithmic processes to exploit those turning points. And 
we focus on regional sources of, of equity market returns. So when I tell you about this signal, it's really more about the different uh, regional indices that we focus on, which is U.S. large cap, U.S. small cap, uh, non-developed markets, and emerging markets. We really remove anything around style premium, meaning we don't care about value versus growth, uh, cyclicals versus defensive, et cetera. We're just focused on the index beta. Okay. So with that background, in early to mid-January, our primary long-term model for U.S. large caps uh, transitioned to a long S&P index position from a short position. For this model, Andrew, uh, to be activated, it requires a significant change in market behavior. Uh, uh, said differently, it's only activated uh, near market bottoms after bear markets. And, and interestingly, of the four regional indices that I, I, I referenced, the U.S. large cap component was the only one that had not triggered in our long-term model. So when it did trigger in, in, in early to mid-January, really for the first time since the summer of 2021, so over 18 months ago, we now have all four regional indices aligned using the same term, the same long-term behavioral model. And here's what that means. So we, we look at things again quantitatively and we break up markets in, in different regimes, uh, you know, keeping things super simple. You know, 1% of the time the market is super complacent or exuberant. Another 1% of the time the market is panicking and there's no informational value. 17% of the time, uh, last year is a great example of this, the market is in a stressed uh, regime. And then the other 81% of the time, the market is normal. This is a period that we all know in, in most of our investing life. And when you're in a normal and market environment, it's a buy and hold environment. Uh, and, and then you can drill down afterwards on style premia, factors, et cetera. But what it's really saying is, is that after being in a stressed market all of last year, which happened 17% of the time, we have now transitioned to a normal market environment, which tends to happen 81% of the time, which is your buy and hold. So the fact that we had that confirmed on all four of the regional indices that we track is a statement for us. And we invest along that. It means investors who vote with their capital are behaviorally acting in a different way than they did all last year. And like I said, it happens at cyclical bottoms or uh, near the end of bear markets. Neil, where can somebody sign up for your newsletter? We put out uh, investment commentary on our website at, at www.rareviewcapital.com. You can sign up in multiple places for that. Uh, this newsletter that you're talking about, uh, what we call Site Beyond Site, where we include a lot of the context of this conversation in it, uh, is, is generally reserved for our, our investors. Uh, so if you're interested in, in, in learning about our research and consulting services, you know that would be a part of that. So just reach out to us directly. My guest in this podcast episode has been Rareview Capital's Chief Investment Officer, Neil Azuz. Thank you very much for joining me, Neil. Thank you, Andrew. And good luck on next uh, week's uh, uh, FOMC meeting. Hopefully it's the last hike of the cycle. Thank you very much. And don't forget, folks, check out more episodes at ibkrpodcast.com or wherever you download your podcasts. Thanks for listening to IBKR Podcasts. As always, we have more episodes at ibkrpodcast.com. And if you're interested in learning more about interactive brokers, visit ibkr.com. We offer more trading education material, such as webinars at ibkrwebinars.com, financial and economic commentary at tradersinsight.news. 
market-related courses at tradersacademy.online, and quant-related articles at ibkrquant.com. The analysis in this material is provided for information only and is not and should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security. To the extent that this material discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic or political conditions, it should not be construed as research or investment advice. To the extent that it includes references to specific securities, commodities, currencies, or other instruments, those references do not constitute a recommendation by IBKR to buy, sell, or hold such investments. The material does not and is not intended to take into account the particular financial conditions, investment objectives, or requirements of individual customers. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and is necessary, seek professional advice.